And we just sang for the Spirit to come and to lead us all where He wants to lead us. And so I don't know a more fitting prayer for us to pray even now in this moment. For the Spirit to speak through His Word and lead us where He would want to lead us. So if you would join me now in that specific prayer. And so I don't know what that means for you because I don't know where the Spirit needs to lead you. And shoot, if we're being honest, you might not even know where the Spirit (laughs) needs to lead you. But chances are there's some areas of your life that right now, please just press in and and ask the Spirit in those areas to lead you today. Pray this crazy prayer. Um, Lord, use this text today to speak to, insert the blank, whatever area of life today. Pray that. Speak to you wherever you need through this text. Pray, ask the Lord to do that. And if you need to keep praying about that, do so. But if you don't know where you need the Lord to lead you, pray that. Spirit, lead me wherever you want to lead me that I don't even know about in this text. Pray that today. So Lord Jesus, um, thank you for your word through song, and now as we come to examine your text, um, specifically black and white, your word, um, as we always pray, would you speak beyond the voice of a mortal man? Move me aside, illuminate your text, Holy Spirit speak to us in areas of our life where we need to hear from you. Um, Jesus, it's in your precious name I pray, amen. Amen, we'll be seated. Thank you, man. Thank you, team. Matthew chapter 6 is where we are in our journey. You can go ahead and flip there. Um, We're going to read it in just a moment. But before we do that, what I'd like to do this morning is I need you guys to um, go ahead and start the application of the, the sermon right now in your own personal space. So what I mean by that is right below you or where you're sitting, you're going to find a handout. I'm going to need you to take that. Um, Open up that handout to the area where you can take notes and and jot down stuff. It should be a section where it's kind of blank there, right? This is important. you got to go here, all right? What I need you to do right now, this may be awkward, but why not? Um, I'm going to give you some time to write down right now on that piece of paper, so there should be some pens near you, and, and if you don't have a pen near you, just bleed blood on it. I don't know. Um, figure out a way to write down <clears throat> areas of your life that you're anxious about. Write that down. Write down on that piece of paper areas of your life that right now are bringing you anxiety, big anxiety. Maybe a person, maybe a situation, maybe... Write it down. And, and okay, so this may be a little unfair because what you're anxious about may be sitting right next to you, all right? Don't write their name down if that's the case. Okay, um, 
So maybe you just need to write some letters or something that will remind you of what you are anxious about, all right? Do that. Write those things down, whatever it is. Whatever causes you stress. Whatever you think about incessantly. Whatever keeps you up at night. Whatever wakes you up in the morning. Now, you can continue writing those things down if you want to, but let me say two things. Number one, if you didn't write anything down, um, then you get a Sunday off. Congratulations. Um, You are the perfect human being. Good job. You are free to go. Um, If you did put something down, then this passage is for you. And it's for me. This passage is for us because this passage is going to speak today to whatever area of life it is that brings anxiety or stress or um, ang- uh, the sleeplessness or the, the waking up at all hours of the night. This passage is going to speak directly to that. This is an incredibly practical passage that we've hit today. So with that said, if you need to keep jotting down stuff, do so. Uh, but we're going to read God's Word. And so if you would stand in honor of God's Word as we read it together. And as we read it aloud, be thinking, uh, what, is, what is the specific, if I could narrow it down to one word, what is Jesus going to speak to us today about? So Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 is where we find ourselves in our ongoing journey of Matthew. Therefore, uh, actually I need to back it up to 24, which was Tyler's message, not going to re-preach it. He killed it last week, didn't he? Um, but we do need to get this in. So he says this, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, or what you'll put on. Is not life more than food or body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day for its own trouble. All right, so now at the count of three, 
What we're going to do here is everybody in the room is going to tell me in one word what the point of Jesus' message today is. All right? And we're going to do this at the count of three. Now, I know some of you have test anxiety, and your palms just got sweaty, didn't they? Some of you are like, oh, no, I'm going to get the word wrong. Okay, so you're not going to get the word wrong. This is not a trick quiz, okay? I promise you. To count of three, what is Jesus talking about? One, two, three. Anxiousness. Yeah, good. give yourselves a hand. Good job, good job. Be seated, be seated. <clears throat> Jesus is getting to the point of anxiety here. This is clearly the point of the message. There's no hidden agenda today. We read it several times. You said it aloud. If you find yourself in a situation of life where you are anxious, he's going to speak to that today. And so what Jesus does, there's two points to his sermon. The first point of his sermon was this. He's already given us a reason for our anxiety. Tyler addressed this last week, talking about how we deal and handle we, how we handle finances and stuff and, and serving God and serving money. But when Jesus says man cannot serve two masters, that really is the point leading him into anxiety, meaning this. You ready for this? Number one, the reason you're anxious is because the point of anxiety in your life, I promise you, if you look there, you'll find that you're serving God and something else simultaneously. Every point of anxiety in our life is because we find ourselves serving two masters. That is everything that he's been talking about all the way through chapter 5. Um, all of this culminates, right? So when we studied anger, we find ourselves anxious in anger because we're trying to serve God, but we're also angry at somebody else. There's two masters there. When he goes next to lust right? We want to serve God, and then we want to serve our own flesh simultaneously. We serve two masters, and so we find anxiety in that. Divorce, self, and another master. Oaths, self, and another master. Retaliation, self, and another master. Loving your enemies, self, and another master. Giving to the needy, self, and another master. Do you see this? Jesus doesn't just say you can't serve two masters haphazardly. What he's getting at is, listen, if the point at which you find anxiety, I promise you, if you think about it, you'll find yourself serving two masters. And that was where we ended last week in verse 24. So the reason for anxiety, true anxiety, is we have an issue with serving two masters. That's the reason. Now, he goes on for today's message in giving us not the reason, but the remedy. So if this is the reason... How do we remedy that? In other words, how do we get to the point to where we're not serving two masters, but we're serving one master, and when we serve the one master, how will that free us from anxiety and bring us the peace that Christ promises that he brings? And so today, that's what we're going to get at. So, keep your sheet of handy. Keep your sheet of paper nice and handy. Keep it there. Because today, I want you to keep bouncing your eyes between the text and what you wrote down on that that brings you anxiety. And see if Jesus does indeed speak to how you can remove anxiety from that area of your life. This is an incredibly freeing and practical passage today. And man, I hope you find the freedom in it that um, is there. But I'll also admit to you right off the bat, though I'm preaching this, I struggle with this just as much as you do. So I'm praying this speaks to all of us about how to be freed from anxiety. 
All right, my goal today is that we'll go to sleep well tonight and rest well, and that this, the, the text will speak to that. So here we go. Number one, Jesus says this. Number one, he says to get rid of anxiety or the remedy for anxiety is to shift your focus away from good things in life to the greatest thing in life. That's the first thing that Jesus said. Shift your focus from good things to the greatest things. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, good things, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body or what you'll put on. And that's where we often go a lot of times in life is we so focused on the good things in life. And those are not bad things. Focusing on eating and focus, focusing on your body and clothes, not, that's, that's not inherently evil. That's not a bad thing. But notice what Jesus says. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? So the point is this, we get so captivated by earthly things that we find ourselves no heavenly good. Now you've heard it said, the old saying, right? Uh, how many of you guys were in the uh, 70s Jesus movement, right? You remember that? Okay, some in this room. Now, more in this room, how many of yourselves find yourselves as Jesus freaks in the 90s? DC talk? Okay, yeah, we'll admit it. Some of us, uh, by the way, side note, did y'all hear DC Talk is going on tour again? What? Yes, <laughs> yes, they are. They're having a comeback tour, Lisa. After we have our contest at Crystal's of how many Christmas, that's, after you whoop me, that's right, uh, we'll go watch DC Talk. But the whole Jesus freak movement, all that kind of stuff, people were so into Jesus and so radical that this phrase was tossed around a lot. Well, they're so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. They, they think about the Lord so much that they're really lost touch with reality. And Jesus is the exact opposite. He says, you'll find yourself anxious in life if you're so worried, even about necessities, that you forget the greatest thing in life is to find joy and satisfaction in Jesus and nothing else. He's the point at which there's perfect peace. And so Jesus comes out swinging. It's this shocking statement. In other words, he says it this way, to remedy anxiety, shift your mind away from even food and clothing. Now, there's some great examples in Scripture of this. One great example of Scripture that I think about a lot is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, I don't know if just, just because that was the coolest story that hit me growing up, but you remember the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they brought Nebuchadnezzar's idol was brought before them, and, and, and they said, listen, if you don't bow to Nebuchadnezzar's idol, we're going to throw you into what? The fiery furnace, right? And Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego could have in that moment said, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know about getting thrown in there. <laughs> I need to be focused on how I'm going to sustain or extend my life. Or I need to focus on my family that depends on me. Or I need to focus on my work that I'm doing so that society will be better. I need to focus on some good things. But they didn't. What did they do? They chose to focus on the greater thing and glorifying God and their relationship with Him alone so much that they said, chunk us in the fire. They got it. That is so good and so helpful. That's a great illustration, but let me give you a greater illustration. A greater illustration. We, when we went through John, you'll remember Jesus. 
And the disciples came up to Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, you're really, really hungry. You need to pause and eat some food. Necessity. A good thing. But what did Jesus do? Jesus said, mm, I have food that you don't know about. The food that I eat is to do the will of the Father. So Jesus, right off the bat, says, and he combats, if you find yourself anxious, look at your piece of paper, look at it, those things are probably areas in your life that you may not label as idols because you've never thought about it this way, but maybe just in fact, you focus more on those things on your sheet of paper than you do God himself. Could it be possible that we find ourselves anxious because we spend 70 hours a week at work to get our necessities and only seven minutes a week in prayer. So Jesus, right off the bat, says, do you find yourself anxious? Well, shift your focus from good things to the great things. Before we go on, I think what Jesus is saying this, is life was meant for more than earthly pleasures. Life was meant to experience God in a way unlike we will experience him in heaven. We can experience God now on earth in a way that we'll never experience him in heaven. Don't miss that because of anxiety about food and clothing. Necessities. Number one, shift your focus away from good things in life to greatest thing. Number two, Jesus says this to remedy anxiety, depend on God more than you depend on your own ability. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Listen, I think the point of this is showing us this, that God is more impressed with you as a person than he is your work ethic. And we like to hang our hat on our work ethic. Let me show you how hard I can work. Let me show you how I can really take care of things myself. As um, Tyler's already alluded to, um, Annabelle, as she was walking our cohort through this passage earlier, she said the greatest problem of anxiety usually is that we love to be self-sovereign. That is good stuff right there. We love to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and really show God how hard we can work to take care of stuff. And in doing so, what we're doing actually is saying, God, I am so good and I can work so hard that I really don't need you. I got this. I can do this. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, you want to remedy anxiety? Be like a bird. <laughs> The bird doesn't walk around going, let me prove to God how good I am. The bird just goes out, tries to get some worms, and then trusts that God is going to be the one that ultimately provides the worms. You've never seen a bird sitting in a nest thinking about every scenario of why he missed the last worm. You never find a bird cuddled up in the closet thinking about every other bird that bothers them and why they bother them. You never find a bird sitting in their corner worrying about, well, my feathers really aren't as impressive as other people's feathers. You don't see that at all, do you? 
You just see the bird going out, using the gifts that God's given it, and striving to, to, to get out there and search for a worm. But ultimately, like Proverbs says, man plans his way, but God ultimately orchestrates his steps. And that's where rest is found. And so Jesus swings again and says, listen, depend on God more than you depend on your own ability. Birds are hard workers, but you know what birds are not? Hoarders. You've never seen a bird working so hard they can store up all the worms that it wants into a barn, which is not my illustration, it's Jesus' illustration, so that at the end of its life it can just rest and coast off of the work that it's accomplished. It works, it labors, it toils, that's true, but it depends on God to do the rest. Now here's the thing. I would miss a meal to feed my kids. That's true. If Kobe and Macy and Cole were hungry, I would go without eating. I would give them the food. And you know what? You would do that too for your kids, wouldn't you? Why is it that we don't trust that God loves us as much as we love our own children? So anxiety comes from, oh no, I gotta, I've got to really pull myself up to prove that I, I, God will love me because I really worked hard. If we love our kids in a way, how much more the Father loves us? We rest in Him and the fact that He'll supply our every need. So Jesus then goes on to say this, number one, shift your focus away from good things in life to the greatest thing. Depend on God more than you depend on your own ability. And then number three, remind yourself how much worrying is working out for you right now. Verse 27, Jesus says this, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Newsflash, Jesus says, worry doesn't extend your life. Worry does nothing but shorten it. And we go, I'm so anxious, and because I'm anxious, I need to be more anxious so that I can figure out how to get rid of my anxiety. And Jesus looks at us and goes, where's that getting you? Like, are you, are you growing in that? Are you getting out of that? He says, listen, nobody can extend his life by worrying. Worrying has never worked. Worrying never will work. Worrying only creates more problems compounds more problems and cultivates more problems look at your sheet of paper draw it back to you you keep worrying about it how's that going for you is your worry fixing it no no it's not why jesus said it wasn't going to so number one jesus says this you want to get rid of your anxiety focus away from good things to great things depend more on god than you depend on your own ability remind yourself how much worrying is working for you right now? And then number four, repent for your lack of faith. Ultimately, Jesus now, like he's been given these right-handed jabs, and he's about to come with like a left-handed uppercut. And he says, ultimately, anxiety is about your faith. So let's call this into check. Let's look at it, verse 28. And why are you being anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. They don't do anything. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass 
of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, oh, will he not much more clothe you, O you of what? Little faith. So now Jesus ties in our level of anxiety and equates it with our level of faith. So if you find yourself with much anxiety, Jesus says you will also find yourself with little what? Faith. Like, that's hard to say out loud, isn't it? Because we don't want to go, whoa, I'm, I'm not a person of little faith. I have great faith. I'm just anxious. And Jesus goes, well, you just proved my point. So look at that in your sheet of paper that you wrote down. Whatever you just wrote down, wherever you find that greatest level of anxiety is where Jesus says you need to apply more faith. It's a faith thing. So first, another lesson of God's provision, he gives us that in verse 28. He says, God clothes the grass with the beauty of the lilies. So there's grass, it's clothed. Like the, the grass doesn't have to go to Old Navy to get spruced up. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to go on Amazon. It don't have to do anything. Target, your place of choice, mine, thrift store, right? You don't have to go anywhere. The lilies are just there. They're clothed by God. And so Jesus says, listen, have faith in God's provision. I, I, I put two pictures up here. They'll pop up on the screen. Um, the first over here on the right is an emperor penguin. They're pretty bad animals. They're pretty bad. Pretty awesome animals. Um, they're the tallest of the penguin species. And here we have a little cute little fuzzy penguin at the bottom there. I guess that's mom and dad. Um, and, and so anyways, these things right here, they have never, ever, ever gone shopping in a mall. Not once. And yet God has clothed them to the, uh, the point at which they can withstand 120 degrees below freezing. Right? God cares for these penguins. How much more will he care for you? As Annabelle said earlier in the service, God has been God for a long time. He knows how to do the God thing. He's pretty good at it. He's been around for, he knows how to care for his children. And then this thing right here, this ugly little thing, this is the angelfish. Some of you guys have heard me talk about the angelfish back when we were in the theater days. Many of you guys have not. The angelfish is probably the most fascinating creature of all creatures. The angelfish lives 5,000 feet below sea level. And that's pretty cool in and of itself. But you see this ugly little thing on the tip of its nose? You see that? That is a light. It's a light. Not like joking, that sucker 5,000 feet below the sea level lights up. God put a light on that ugly dude's head. <laughs> Why? Because it's dark down there. I'm never going, I barely go five feet below sea level, much less 5,000, but it's dark down there. And God stuck a light on this fish's head to attract food to it so the angelfish can eat. How much more does he care about you than that? And so God, by grace, through Jesus, says this, if you find yourself anxious, maybe it's a lack of 
faith problem in God's provision. If you'll care for the angelfish, he'll care for you. The question is, are you seeking him or are you seeking your own level of maturity and work ethic to cover your own anxiety? Which is it? This is so good, man. And then second, watch this. He calls us to repentance, not just not believing in God's provision and confessing that, but also turning from that wrong. The one who has great faith will recognize that. You'll look at that sheet of paper in your hand and go, these are the things I'm trying to fix. Why am I not involving God solely in this? Why am I serving two masters? And I'll not only repent and confess that, but I'll repent and turn from that and seek God solely as my master. Which admits our fickleness of our faith and the folly of our faithlessness and admits 2 Timothy 2.13 that when we are faithless, he will remain faithful. Number five. Number one, shift your focus away from good things in life to great things. Number two, depend on God more than you depend on your own ability. Number three, remind yourself how much worrying is working for you. Number four, repent of your lack of faith. And then number five, labor to not just exist emotionally like unbelievers, but to thrive as believers. In other words, anxiety is not a part of the characteristics of a believer, Jesus says. Let's look at this, verse 31 and 32. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. In other words, if you find yourselves anxious, you're not bearing the characteristics of a believer, and you're bearing the mark of an unbeliever. For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. In other words, anxiety puts us on the same level as unbelievers. Now, why is this a big deal? It's a big deal because it makes a mockery of one of the gifts of the Spirit through the purchased blood of Jesus Christ. As a believer, we are promised the fruits of the Spirit. Some of y'all remember the song. Fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. Fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. If you want to be a coconut, you might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit because the fruits are... Somebody else, help me! Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, right? Nobody knows this song, right? DC Talk needs to put it on their new album. Okay. Love, joy, peace. Peace. And so when we're anxious, what we're doing is saying that the love, joy, and the peace is not something God has truly given me to be embraced on my own. He has given us peace. And so we're to labor to not exist emotionally like an unbeliever, but to bear the marks of those who've received peace. And the cool thing about this is, is what Jesus is saying is true peace is exclusively reserved only for Christians. Did you catch that? In other words, there can be no true peace apart from Christ. He alone gives it. So if you're an unbeliever in this room, this is a call to you today. If you're going, yeah, I'm not an unbeliever, and yes, I'm anxious, then on the authority of God's word, you will never find peace. Because peace is solely rooted in the purchased work of Jesus Christ. Number two, 
of all the people in the world that should be happy and giddy, it should be Christians. Like, we should be walking around, and people will be like, that dude is so happy, and that lady is so happy. They're just giddy all the time. Why are they that way? The answer should be because they're Christ followers. That's why. We should throw the best parties in town, man. We should laugh the most. We should bear that mark not because we're trying to be fake, but because Jesus has purchased that, embedded it in our soul through the purchased work of the Holy Spirit. He's given us peace. So put a smile on your face, not because you're cool, but because Jesus loves you that much. Seriously, what can defeat us as Christians? Paul addressed this in Romans 8, for I'm convinced that neither life nor death nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We should be happy. <laughs> Not because Pharrell told us. We should, because I'm happy. That's two songs nobody knows. Number two. Not only we should be happy because of the work of Christ, but number two, we should be happy because not only has God given you everything you need, but also, as Americans, he's given you most of your wants. I don't see a soul in here naked. Don't want to. <laughs> and there's not a soul in here who didn't either drive or ride in a car over here. Maybe our anxiety is strictly because we act like two-year-olds who's sitting in the middle of a toy pile going, I want more. We're called to be at peace. God's provided for us greatly. If we trust God for our salvation and not for our earthly joy, then there's a hole in our understanding of His sovereignty. Number six, and we'll wrap it up. Jesus finally finishes it by saying, you want to rid your anxiety? Labor to not act like an unbelieving toddler. And then number six, to seek the kingdom grace today instead of tomorrow's troubles. Verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Look at your list one more time. One more. One more again. Look at it. Jesus is saying this. If you want to destroy anxiety, be present in the here and now and not always living in the what's to come or what once was. We find anxiety about tomorrow, this is coming, this is coming, this is coming, or this was or this was, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's where you'll find anxiety. Rest in the here and now. Success in life is obedience in the moment. Now, this doesn't negate planning. We've already talked about that already. But again, the heart of a man plans this way, but God orchestrates its steps. And so I want to say two things, number one, about true success, and then number two, about true peace. True success, according to Christ, in anxiety or getting rid of it, 
rid of it is simply being obedient in the true moment. Here we go. How many meals have you missed out on with friends and enjoying those because of the things you wrote down on your list that you're anxious about? How many laughs have you missed out on because of what you're anxious about? How many hugs have you missed because you're anxious about whatever it is? How many astonishing, whoa, that was awesome moments did you miss out on because you're so head down worried about whatever you're anxious about? How many moments of peace have you missed out on because of that level of anxiety in your life? And my biggest question, how much of Jesus have you missed out on because you're worried about the things on your piece of paper? Let it go, in the words of Elsa. Y'all know that one, okay. Let it go. Let it go. Anxiety doesn't rule you. Christ's redemption rules you. True success is found in that, and then true peace is found in simply realizing who is truly king of the moment. That's why he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. In other words, don't seek the kingdom of man. Man rules his kingdom by tyranny. And he does so in a way that provokes anxiety. Every dictator that's ever lived, the way that they establish their kingdom is to strike fear in mankind. In other words, they say, I will kill you if you rebel against me. And that's what we see, and then that fear strikes us, and they rule that way. And Jesus flips it on its head and says, don't seek that kingdom to relieve your anxiety, because it won't. Seek the kingdom of God. How is the kingdom of God different? What the kingdom of God says is this. Number one, don't be anxious. But number two, takes a step further and says, I don't want you to be anxious so much so that I will not just uh, ignore the fact that you have rebelled against me. I will slaughter myself because you've rebelled against me to draw you into a loving relationship with me. He flips it on his head. He says, not only is my kingdom not about anxiety, but I bled and died to relieve your anxiety so that you can come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you anxiety? Somebody say it. Preach. Rest. I will give you rest. And so most kings love the anxiety, but not our king. And not only that, but our king is also a super wealthy benefactor who promises his inheritance to those who follow him. And none of that has to do with anxiety. So two parting shots. I think we can walk away from this passage with. Number one is this. It's better to limp into God's kingdom bony and naked than to bust hell wide open fat and wearing Gucci. I think we can walk away with that from this passage. Where's your priorities? What's bringing you anxiety and why? It's trash in the eyes of your loving Savior. The only clothing and food we need is the righteousness of Christ, church. That's it. And then number two, 
Worry we can recover from. That's our joy today. <laughs> if you're a believer and you're worrying, you can recover from that. But dying without Christ, we cannot recover from. So unbelievers, my unbelievers in this room, as we wrap it up, could it be that your anxiety has nothing to do with your mortgage, your depression, your family, your neighbors, your looks, your bank account, your next decision, your situation? And you're like, Troy, did you just read my list? <laughs> did you read my sheet of paper? No, I didn't read. Could it be that your anxiety has nothing to do with any of those things, but your anxiety is simply where we began? You're trying to serve two masters. And you've never given away one master just to serve Christ. Today, surrender to the finished work of Christ and Christ alone. He is all you need. Not Pop-Tarts, not Hot Pockets, not Raisin Bran, not, I don't, give me whatever. Not any of those things. He's what you need. And only in Him will you find peace. So unbelievers, that's my call to you. Call on Him today. And believers, let me ask you a different question that sounds strangely the same. Could it be that your anxiety has nothing to do with your mortgage, your depression, your family, your neighbors, your looks, your bank account, your next decision and situation? Could it be, believers, that you are still serving two masters? Give up one because you know the greatness of the other. Christ is all you need. Taste and see that he's good. The band's coming back up. I have no better words to end with than what the angels gave to the shepherds at Christ's birth. <clears throat> You'll remember the angels. Angels? You may not remember the angels, but maybe you remember the angels. Um, the, the angels were doing their thing. Shepherds are all worried. They're out there by their flocks at night. Stuff starts happening. Looks like cosmic chaos is going on. They go, look, <laughs> I don't know if Thanos is showing up or what, but I was just here to guard these sheep. <laughs> and the angel shows up, and the angel says this about Jesus. Shh. I think the angels did that, if they have fingers. I don't know. <laughs> Glory to God in the highest, and on earth now, peace. Peace among those with whom he is well pleased. Jesus didn't come to make you anxious, church. He came to bust that junk and shatter it and free you from it. Don't serve two masters. Serve one. Jesus, seek him only. And not on my word. Look, I'm, for all of you going, boy, he's sure telling us a lot. I'm talking to me. I need to seek Jesus more singularly to be freed from the anxiety in my life too. Let's do it together. Let's do it together. All right, I'm going to pray, and then we'll sing. Let's pray together.
So Jesus, now we come to the table and respond to your word. And as we come to the table today, God, the believers that come and, and to take the elements, God, as they take the bread and remember the body that was broken and the body that was anxious. God, as they drink the cup and remember the blood that was spilled and the blood that was anxious. God, I pray that we come to the table remembering that you bore not only all of our sin except for anxiety, but even at the cross you bore our anxiety. And we remember even in the garden where you screamed out, take this cup from me, I don't want it. And you began in your anxiety to sweat blood. That even in that, the great substitution was occurring so that we wouldn't have to sweat blood. God, as we come, I pray that we find rest in the finished work of Christ and peace from the garbage on our papers right now. As we come singularly focused, hug us, love us, Show us that you are the good Father who is capable of freeing us from anxiety, who wants to free us from anxiety, and likes to free us from anxiety. May we turn our eyes upon you and the things of the world grow strangely dim. For the unbeliever in this room, God, I pray today they give their life to you as the sole person who could accomplish all of this as Lord and Savior. Jesus, we love you. And it's your name we pray. Amen.